draw us close to yourself as we have just uh, sung, and we pray that you would draw us to yourself through this class as we think more properly and and, uh, carefully about our responsibility to spread the gospel, and we pray that the result would be uh, changed lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. A couple things before we get started. Um, first of all, thank you for praying for for uh, our visas to come in. Eric and my visas came in approved, and so we're uh, going to leave, I think, five weeks from tomorrow uh, for India, so thank you for praying for that. And then uh, secondly, I have a refreshment sign-up sheet. These things don't just magically come every week, so thank you for those for who have been contributing to that. But if you wouldn't mind, sign up once or twice for yourself or for your wife if she's not here. Jo- I'm joking. You better check with her first. Um, we'll have that sheet available uh, after the after the Sunday school time if your wife wants to, to get in on that. Well, you are in the first class of the the uh, Christian growth track. I meant to to put an overview for you on the screen, but um, we're working our way through this class. It really started out to be a five-year class, and now it's turning into six. But um, it's a class on called spiritual success about cultivating a growth in godliness. Started back in 2009, and uh, we'll finish probably next fall. And so uh, there are some basic categories that we have worked our way through, fundamentals of Christianity, just some basic things about the Christian life, and then biblical overview, talking about how to study the Bible, survey of the Old and New Testament, and then um, and then history and theology. We went through some church history, dispensationalism, and systematic theology. And then we just finished the track called The Christian Life, and it talks about uh, we, we looked through things like biblical manhood and womanhood, parenting, life in the body, and we just finished spiritual disciplines. So now we've come to the home stretch. Okay, We kind of see the end in, in sight. And uh, so we're on Christian growth, and we're working our way through uh, some, some more advanced ideas when it comes to the Christian life. Some of these obviously will, will um, be basic things that we learn, but... But, uh, but we also want to get a little bit deeper than we normally do in these sorts of topics. And if you think about it, the, the first four tracks that we've gone through have to do with our relationship primarily with God. That is, how do we serve God? Things like the local church and, and our relationships with one another, or our relationships as we, we express ourselves to God. This last track has to do more with our relationship with, with others. So we're going to begin by uh, just talking about what we have as a responsibility to um, to to share with others. Um, I said we just finished spiritual disciplines. I, I meant we just finished biblical counseling, missions and biblical counseling. Have more to do with our relationship with others, how we're going to respond to this call uh, that God has given to us. This week or, and the next 12 sessions that we'll be together uh, will be about spreading the gospel and then we'll get into discipling and defending the faith to to kind of close things out may may add another class at the end but we'll see all right so as we begin um let's um 
let's think about what our responsibility is before Christ. So turn to Titus chapter 3. And this is kind of the verses that we want to think about as we challenge ourselves with regard to spreading the gospel. Titus chapter 3. And I'll begin, I'll begin reading in verse 3. For we also once were, full, uh, were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These these things are good and profitable for men. If you're a Christian, you are sitting in this class today because someone took the time to share the gospel with you. Someone recognized that you were disobedient. You were enslaved to the sins of this world. And they took it upon themselves... They overcame the barriers of, of their fears and, and other obstacles that would keep you from turning to God. And they, they came to you with the Gospel. They believed that God would convert you through the powerful testimony of His Word. They were motivated by God's love and were willing to set aside their own personal comforts in order, in order that the Gospel would come to you. And as Paul says to Titus, It was by God's grace that you were saved. And so the goal of this class simply is to motivate, to equip, and to prepare us to share the good news. We want to become better proclaimers of the truth. And this is our challenge and hope and calling as Christians. So how are we going to do that? How how will we go about being equipped and prepared to share the gospel? If you look on the inside... The insert there, uh, you see a course outline. This class is designed to be a training course for evangelism to help motivate and equip us and prepare us for sharing the good news. And the goals are these, that, that, that we learn what evangelism is. We're going to take the first two classes to do that. First two classes to do that. We want to learn why Christians should engage in evangelism. And then we're we're going to learn how to do it. How is it exactly that we should be engaging ourselves in evangelism? But like with every good, uh, responsive obedience, it always begins with theology. It always begins with a right understanding of who God is and what our responsibility is. It un- it, it works from the Bible out from uh, it works out from the Bible. That is, we we find out what the scriptures say about spreading the gospel, and then we work our way out through there. 
So let me let me start by asking you to help me and help yourself. Okay. I want you to take this card and think of three people that are close to you now that are unbelievers. Whoops, I gave you two. That are unbelievers. And these are people you're going to just write their names down. So all you have to do, big card, you can write big if you'd like to. Write three names down. Somebody that you're close to now, maybe a family member, co-worker, neighbor. All right. Now take out your cell phone and call one of them right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, so what we're going to do is is this is just something that, that I want to encourage you to be praying about these people. So if you need to put it in a place where where you're going to be able to see that, put it on your fridge, put it on in your inside of your Bible so that when you're spending time with God and you go to pray, you pray for these names specifically. Okay, Here, here's the thing about God. He loves to answer specific requests. When we just pray that all the people around us will get saved or you know, pray for all the missionaries, the example I often use, we will never know if God answers that because we don't see specific responses. God may be answering that request that, that all the missionaries would be healthy. But we, we'll never know that because we're being so generic. So the same thing is true about evangelism. Let's try to make it specific. Here's three people that you can just be praying about and praying for opportunities to evangelize. And then I'd ask you to take it one step further and and get with somebody in the church to be your accountability partner. That is, someone who will say, hey, how's it going with, and they know your three names. Have you been praying for them? Have you had opportunities to speak to them? Have you, have you, have you furthered your relationship in order to get to a place where God opens a door for you to give them the gospel and and um, hopefully by the end of this class the 13 weeks that we'll be able to say yes we've seen some significant steps um, as a result of what what God has done through us asking him just calling out to him and praying alright so I encourage you in that way hang on to that and and use that all right. Good question at this point might be what resources and support material will be will we be using? And if you look on the back of your handout of the little booklet there, you'll see uh, several of the sources that I'll be using. There there will be others, but um, I recognize I actually have two copies of the same one. They're just different versions. But this is one of the greatest books on evangelism out there. You know we. As Christians, especially as people who believe that God is sovereign, He's in control of all things, we tend to think that evangelism doesn't really match up with God's sovereignty. Like if God's going to save them, He's going to save them, and we can just kind of uh, sit back and do nothing, right? And, and so this helps to show that relationship 
It doesn't fully explain it because I don't think we can. But it does show that in the Scriptures, even though Paul believed in the sovereignty of God and Jesus believed in the sovereignty of God, they still went about and used the means that God had had called them to give, which is to actually speak the gospel, to ask God for His help, and to bring about the life. And th- this book is excellent on doing that. It's called it's uh, J.I. Packer's uh, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. And then probably one of the most uh, standard books when it comes to uh, evangelism as far as um, just its depth and and helpfulness is Tell the Truth by Will Metzger. So I'll be reading a couple ex- excerpts from that. Um, this is just a quote I'm going to be drawing from later. This one I think is probably the most helpful book that I've read on evangelism. It's called The Gospel for Muslims. The Gospel for Muslims by Thabiti Anabwile. Um Obviously, if you have some Muslim friends or acquaintances that you need to give the gospel to, this is extremely helpful. But he actually gives some really just helpful and and basic truths, and he does it in a down-to-earth type of way. A very easy read. You could probably get through it in a couple hours or less. And then another really helpful short book. I like short books. Uh, Evangelism by J. Max Stiles. Another helpful resource just kind of draws from the Scripture the principles that we need to understand. And so we'll be using several of those books as we work our way through um, these 13 classes. So our goal in the first two classes is to answer the question, what is evangelism? Next week we're going to talk about defining terms that that go along with evangelism. But this week we want to uh, set the stage and look at the context in which we understand and actually do evangelism. So first let's make an attempt at broadly understanding evangelism. All right, so who can help me? How how would you define evangelism? Okay, spreading the gospel. The the word evangelize or evangelism comes from the Greek word which means to proclaim what? Good news or the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. So it means uh, good news, people. You know, get that good news to people. It's a verb, and it it, um, it says that we need to evangelize. So evangelism actually is a noun, but it's it's the idea of spreading the gospel. So Don Whitney has a section in his book, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, uh, on evangelism. And here's how he defines evangelism. It is to prepare or to present Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to sinful people in order that they may come to put their trust in God through Him, to receive Him as their Savior, and to serve Him as their King in the fellowship of His church. I love that definition because it's very uh, technical, it's very involved. Did you get that all down? You're supposed to write all that down. Um, not really. Okay, here's a shorter definition that he gives. But But the idea is that not only do we want them to get the good news and say, yes, I want to believe in Christ, I need to believe in Christ, this is my responsibility to believe in Christ, but it also brings them into a place where they are in fellowship with the church. Because what I'm going to argue in this class is that we have not done evangelism if we have just gotten someone to make a decision. Okay, do you want to go to heaven? Pray this prayer with me. We have failed. Okay, because that doesn't necessarily mean that they're saved. And uh, 
certainly there are times when someone comes into the fellowship of a church, they get baptized and join the church, that they're not saved as well. But but I think um, there has been a dangerous shift in our society and our in our um, in our subculture that has pushed easy believism to a place where uh, it's more about the numbers for the evangelist than it is about the actual changing of the soul. How does how, how did evangelism start for you? Okay, once you became a believer, you knew that you had a responsibility to tell other people. Why would you want to withhold something uh, like that? Uh, perhaps for you, it started very simply. That is, it was very easy to share the gospel with other people. It just came across as something that you do. You talk to people around the water cooler or, or across the fence. You just talk to them about the gospel and it's like, this is what's happened to me. This is the most important thing in my life. But if you're like me, over time what's happened is, is that in your pursuit of reaching people, you have been rejected. Um, your relationships have changed. Right? People don't treat you the same way as they treat their other friends because they know that you've got to be careful about what, what they say around you. And he's probably going to just preach at me, so I don't want to really talk to him. And um, obviously one of the struggles can be for us is that that fear can can well up within us. And we start to wonder if our friendship with that unbeliever can continue while we're also trying to con- see them converted. And so the the pendulum swing that we often do is because we we feel like we're rejected over here. We we go over here and we're overbearing. Like now we're just going to shove it down their throat. You're going to hell. You need to come to Christ. And that is far from um, the love that was displayed by Jesus in His giving of the gospel to those who were His enemies, those who actually opposed Him and who would be putting Him on the cross. That is far from it. So we become overbearing. Or the other extreme is that we we simply just kind of clam up. We go into our little turtle shells and and to make our own little Christian society. And everybody we interact with are Christians. Because, you know, part of it is I think we don't want to be stained by the world. Part of it is they're rejecting us. And so we can avoid a lot of persecution if we just don't spend any time with these people or a limited amount. What about you? What are some of the struggles and concerns that you have with evangelism? What are some of the things that keep you from evangelism? If you list one, you're going to have to admit that you're not as good as you should be at evangelism, see? But that's okay. I think everybody's in the same boat here. Is anybody as evangelistic as they want to be? Raise your hand up really high. Okay. No. Okay. So everybody's in the same boat. That's good. So what are some other things? Okay.
All right. So kind of fear of being shut off. Um, what is it? In other words, what? Like they're going to ask questions that you don't have the answers to or that don't apply to... Okay, so rabbit trails, Greg? Okay. Okay. Anything else? If we got all over all those things, then we'd be, we'll be good. Anything else? Can you think of? Greg. Okay. So lack of prayer is uh, one of the things that hinder us from sharing the gospel more. Maybe we're just not bringing those things to God. I know personally, you know, I know that when I'm not praying for them, I'm not thinking about opportunities either. I'm not asking God for, I don't like to say this word, but chance opportunities, the ones that I didn't expect, like when I'm in line at the grocery store or something, um, or when I'm at the gym, which I'm never there. So, so <laughs> um, but, but the other one, really, uh, the other one is... Uh, I, I don't look for opportunities with the people like these three people that I just wrote down. I don't look for opportunities with those those three people when I'm not praying for them. So I think lack of prayer is a good one. I mean, it's a bad one, but it's a good response. Jonathan, or um, Jennifer. Sorry. So lack of preparation, um, yeah, not not preparing for it, Mike. Okay. Lack of experience. Anything else? Not going to the gym enough. Okay. Are there unbelievers at the gym? I wouldn't know. Um, how about um, how about lack of faith? Maybe it could be a lack of joy in the gospel that we don't love the gospel. We don't think about what it meant for us. Um, certainly a lack of love for the lost is kind of the overarching one, that we don't actually love that person because if we really love that person, we're going to share the gospel with them. That's the most loving thing that we could do with them despite their response. Um, maybe relying too much on our own ability. That, you know, because it's me, 
I can't answer all their questions. And if I don't do something right, if I don't respond right, if I don't have the answer for them right then, then God's not going to be able to save them. And then uh, maybe we'll, we'll we'll talk about another one here in just a second. All right. Will uh, Will Metzger gives a good illustration here. On uh, page 17 of his book, he says, I began to fail, feel I was caught in a revolving door. That is, um, in in uh, going through this process of evangelism. He had all these uncertainties uh, about what his motivations ought to be. And he says, I feel, I feel like I was caught in a revolving door. Certain questions kept kept twirling around me. In what way could I lovingly speak to those, even strangers, who God brought had, had brought across my path? And then he started to think more carefully, why am I seeking to evangelize them? Is it so that I can see somebody converted? And then he started thinking about what what are the elements of our message? And he goes on to say, why is there such disagreement, confusion, and vagueness among those who witness, even on some very basic elements of the Gospel? For example, do we just present Christ as Savior or also as Lord to the unbeliever? In other words, as part of the message... I'm kind of unsure about what to say. Um, is repentance and teaching the law of God part of the gospel? Why is the new birth necessary? What actually happens in new birth? What is our, our part in salvation? What is God's part? How can a person know he or she has been born again? What about the gospel? Is it a set of doctrines or is it a person? If God has done all He can and now leaves the appropriation of salvation to our willpower, how can a spiritually dead person possibly respond? I don't know about you, but I've thought about a lot of those questions before and thinking about my response or my responsibility when it comes to evangelism. And so all of these questions could be boiled down to one that we want to address, and that is, what is the right way to witness? And that's really the question that this course seeks to answer. What is the right way to witness? We understand pretty simply what evangelism is. Um, how then do we take take it down to the particular personal level of daily life? Uh, why, why did we think through our struggles just a minute ago? Why did we think through all the things that are barriers to us sharing the gospel more and more carefully? I think it's to help give us a good starting point to begin addressing this driving question. What is the right way to witness? And so if we clearly define our struggles and our, our obstacles that are keeping us from it, then it will help us to start getting on the right track to grow personally in our evangelism and I think corporately as well. So understanding and evaluating evangelism. Is there a definitive solution? It's clear that everyone can identify with questions of struggle uh, when it comes to, to sharing the gospel. We could easily define evangelism it, it's it's fairly easy to do that but i think that the biggest challenge for us is that that we have to actually live it out that's the hard thing and hopefully this class will help each of us including me as i um listen to your encouragements and admonishments when we think through these together but we want to come come up with not only a prescription but a diagnosis because here's what we could do we could start the class by saying Okay, here's, here's what we're supposed to do, and here's how we're supposed to do it. There you go. Go out and do it. 
Okay, but first, before we can get there, I think we need to see the diagnosis. We need to make sure that we come to a proper diagnosis of what the problem is before we can see what the prescription is and, and you know, how, how that's going to be carried out, how the treatment's going to be carried out. And so I think we need to evaluate and understand how we're doing evangelism. In other words, we need to think about our current methodology. And so um, how do we do this? Let me suggest first that we need to start by asking, could some aspects of the way that we do evangelism come from a lack of biblical integrity? Is it possible that some of the ways that we do evangelism actually is opposed to the Scripture? And so that's what I want us to think about. We need to evaluate our practices in evangelism. This will be the goal of this series, to pose relevant questions concerning the theology that is underlining the methodology when it comes to evangelism. Because theology is going to drive, the way that you think about evangelism is going to drive how you do evangelism. It's always the case in every aspect of your life. The way that you think determines how you will act. And, And the same thing is true with evangelism. So what we want to ask is, is there any tradition or technique or person that is beyond our evaluation? So if we just took all of the evangelism models that are out there today and we put them under the microscope, would, would any of them be free from scrutiny? Could we take them and say, you know what, no, you're, you're, you're exempt because we've seen your numbers. No, what, what is the litmus test? How do we determine whether the evangelism is proper or not? What's that? Okay. There you go. Does it match up with God's Word? Because actually, a person you actually might do evangelism right and the person won't get saved. That's, that's part of the problem with some of the methodology that's out there. I see what you're driving at. But, but some of it is, let's get the decision. And so what, what they do is they manipulate what the Scriptures say, and the way that they're doing it, and do it actually dishonestly. And as a result, they get a lot of people in their minds saved. Now, I think what you're saying is actual genuine salvation. So, uh, so I say I understand your point. Um, but here's what, uh, here's what Metzger says in his introduction. He says, to be, uh, Let us be unwilling... Um, or, I'm sorry, let us be willing to re-examine our evangelism in light of the Bible. And if we are not willing to evangelism our evangelism, so it's easy to go and take other people's models. I could talk to you and we might do that, but all these other models of, of people and how they do evangelism, um, and we could tear those apart. But let's think about ours, okay? If we're not willing to to interpret that in light of the Bible, then we do not take Scripture seriously. And we could end up being less than honest with each other, allowing unbelievers to be misled and frustrated, and we could be frustrating those who wish to learn to witness. We could condemn our children and the church to untold problems. We could be dishonoring the God of the Gospel. We must take a thorough look at current evangelistic practice to see if we who witness to Christ have a balanced and whole gospel. We need to make sure that our practices, the way that we think about God and the way that we uh, 
share the gospel is in line with what the scriptures teach. So here, here's maybe an illustration that will help that will help you think uh, in the way that I'm trying to, to lead you here. Okay, if there's an evangelistic model that's heading down a road, and they're saying this is how evangelism needs to happen. Before we get on that road and start following that model and following those people who are doing that, we need to make sure that they're actually on the right road. We need to make sure that it's a biblical, God-centered road. So if we understand the need to evaluate, to diagnose, um, and to do it correctly, how do we get there? How do we effectively diagnose... um, How do we effectively diagnose the problem and then move toward a prescription? How does the doctor diagnose a problem when you come in to see him? Okay, he looks at the whole body, right? Obviously, he has spe- gives special attention to the area that you're concerned about, but, but he looks at the whole body, trying to examine its varying and interre- interrelated elements, and our job is no different. We need to think about and look at the elements that make up the normal Christian evangelist. And to this, I'd like to look at four points. Our methodology, our fears, our attitudes, and our prayers. So first... Um, the first, the need for a method. It, it is incredibly helpful to have a clearly defined strategy. Strategy. We can arrive at our destination only when we have a good road map and we actually follow that map. And the question is, do we have one? And if we have one, do we follow it? If we have a good road map, do we follow it? We all need to re-examine our evangelism, Metzger says, to make sure that we do not simply talk about the gospel or so that we're interested in applying the, re- the gospel, getting the results that we want, but at the same time we slight or, or set aside the theological content. And so we want to work out this methodology for the rest of these uh, series of classes. The main point is here that, that we need to be deliberate about building um, a biblical method and strategy for evangelism, and we should be comfortable uh, using it once we see that it is biblical. And then once we get we set, recognize that, that it is biblical, then we can use it and use it over and over again and despite, in spite of the potential negative results, that is, the results that we don't want. Um, so as long as we have a good model, the point is there's nothing wrong with following a path of evangelism as long as that's a good path. We can just keep following, keep doing those those evangelism methods. All right. Um, so I'd encourage you to just try to think that way. Like I, the goal of this for yourself ought to be: I want a clearly defined methodology. I want a clearly defined uh, theology of evangelism, so that I'm actually drawing my method from the right place. All right, any questions? All right, we need to keep moving because we've got three more to cover here. Can someone read 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20? Raise your hand if I know you're turning there. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20, okay? Next, we want to evaluate our fears. Evangelism is not just for super-Christians. The Bible is clear that all real Christians have this privilege and calling because you might be thinking, well, 
I never really thought about an evangelism method because that's not my responsibility. Hey, that's not for me. That's for the leadership of the church. That's for the pastor. He can handle that. Um, I'm just not equipped like he has. He is. I, I, I haven't had all the training. Um, but listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. All right. So, who's Paul talking to there? Second Corinthians. Believers in Corinth, and he's saying we are, we have been reconciled. Speaking of himself and the readers, we have been reconciled, and now God has made us ambassadors. We are the ones who are going out as God's representatives, as Jesus' representatives, and we're saying this is what God wants you to hear: that Jesus died for your sin. We all are. That is each individual here. So so we need to recognize that first of all. It's not just for super Christians. Okay, we've all, all talked about our fears when it comes to uh, evangelism and we may feel insecure because we fear how people respond to our message. But let's just remember that God is strong in our what? In our weakness. Right? We have examples all throughout the Old and the New Testament of God using our weakness to accomplish His, His, uh, or, or to show His power, to show His strength. And so you you may feel insecure, ill-equipped, but God uses people exactly like you. And and the point is that the starting point for evangelism um, is you. You are the starting point. Obviously, we recognize that God could have come up with hundreds and thousands of different ways where people would get the gospel. He could have just dropped out message from the sky. He could have just put it in their minds and people would come to Him. But you know what He chose? He chose the weak people like you and me to take a gospel that's not weak and share it with them. It starts with you. This is God's ordained means of bringing people to Christ. And and um, if we're going to eval- evaluate our evangelism and our fears, then we need to humbly ask God to expose them to us and to empower us by His Spirit. Listen to, to what Paul says in Ephesians 6.19, just so you know that you're in good company. Pray on my behalf, Paul says, that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the Gospel. This is the Apostle Paul, the great missionary and evangelist. And what is he doing? He's praying for what? For boldness. What does that tell you about Paul? That he wasn't bold by nature. He struggled with fear of rejection and fear of of messing the situation up. And so take heart from his example and ask somebody else to help pray with you about those three people that you wrote down earlier and ask them to, to hold you accountable. And that brings us to our third point. Do we have the right mindset? Um, Acts 4.20 talks about 
Uh, I think it's, is it Peter? Peter and John in prison. And they say, don't say anything about this. Don't, don't talk about this Savior at all. You're done. And they said, we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. And, and so here, here's what ought to drive us to our, to, to our proper motivation. You know, you, you can't talk about all the complexities of neurosurgery if you're not a neurosurgeon. But you know what you can talk about? You can talk about something that you've seen and heard. And you have heard and seen, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so you are qualified to speak to people about the gospel, even if you feel ill-equipped to do so. So what have we seen and heard? Um, obviously, we, we could take a lot of time and just go through this, and, and we'll probably expand on some of this as we go. But first of all, we have a command from Jesus to, to make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, and that He will empower us. It is the Spirit who will empower us, right? It's by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Um Certainly, not only have you heard about that and recognized that responsibility, but you've actually experienced His love. You are a recipient of His love, and therefore you can love others by sharing that gospel with them. And then the third motivation ought to be the desperate need of others. This should motivate us. Paul talked about this, you know, that he just had this, such a great love, especially for his own people, the Jews, and, and this compelled him to give himself to the task of sharing the gospel. Um, all right, I need to uh, summarize here. Let me see what I got in your notes. Well, we can kind of... Okay, you have the list of lack of motivations that are often problems. What can we do about that? We need to focus on God's grace and God's direction. Okay, so if, if you are being selfish and you're not, you don't think you're gifted, you are, are dealing with unconfessed sin, then you need to focus on God's grace and God's direction. What, what does God want you to do with regard to your encounter with unbelievers? Secondly, once you've been humbled and, and emboldened by God's grace, be honest. That is, be honest in your witness. Honesty is often um, the opening to genuine, genuine witness. Sometimes what we want to do is we want to put on this plastic lifestyle or plastic face so that we live in a certain way when we're not around unbelievers. And then when we are, we got to show them that we're Christians. So we act especially good around them at that time. And then when they ask us about our struggles and our fears, I've got the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And we sing that song that I learned when I was a kid. Um, by the way, there's a great second verse to that that I posted online not too long ago. It's really crazy. I don't know why we ever did that, but um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That that truth is very good, but but that's the that tends to be the way that we are around them. That we have to show them that we don't have any chinks in our armor. But here's the thing: is is God uses your weakness. So be honest with them. Don't don't pretend like you're somebody that you're not. Hey, if you're struggling with the loss of a family member or you're struggling with the loss of your job or 
you're struggling with things that that doesn't mean go and commiserate with them and just be like, hey, I'm going to be like one of you and we're going to complain about the government all day. No, that that's not the point. The point is that you you need to be honest with them. And that's going to establish credibility with the gospel that you're going to share with them at some point. Don't be surprised when you're dishonest with them. They see right through that. And then you go to share the gospel with them. And they're thinking, how can I believe this person? All right. Okay, thirdly, we need compassion. We need the love for the others. Um, the God of this age, small g, is I. Right? We, we tend to love ourselves most of all. And Christ died for us so that we could be saved from that. And so we need to, um, we need to have compassion. We need to start looking outside of ourselves. Yet, you know what? This is going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to have to give up some of the things that I wanted to do tonight. I want to just come home and relax. But you know what? My neighbor's out there right now. And he could probably use some help. And this might just open a door down the road for me to share the gospel with him. All right, and then finally, prayer for others. This is God's ordained means or ordained foundation for evangelism. Don't expect that you're going to see somebody come to Christ apart from prayer. Okay? And have and pray with expectation. So Recognize that God actually does want to bring about um, salvation through your prayer. All right, let me give you these last three blanks and then I'll pray and we can go. All right, evangelism is expected. Therefore, we must obey. Christ expects us to be evangelized. Uh, evangelize. 2 Corinthians 5, Matthew 28. 2 Corinthians 5 is the ambassadors. Matthew 28, go and make disciples. So we must obey. Secondly, Evangelism is empowered. We don't have time to explore this, but it is empowered by the work of the Spirit. Therefore, we must believe that God can use it. All right? Don't don't pray. Don't be a double-minded man who who just prays these things but doesn't really believe them. If you're struggling with that belief, then just say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. All right? And then evangelism is a discipline. Therefore, we must plan it. Okay. So obey, use, use, and plan. So, really, evangelism comes down to proper understanding and disciplining ourselves to actually do it. So, that's what I want us to, to motivate us um, in the next series of classes. And so, I hope you, you um, keep that card with you and pray through them out this, throughout this 13 weeks and pray for one another. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing what God will do through our focused um, attention to evangelism and to praying for God's help. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, those who came before us and shared the gospel with us. And we pray that you would uh, help us to understand more clearly the beauty of the gospel so that we're happy to share it with others. And we pray for specific opportunities to share the gospel even this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.